Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Oh, yeah, I'm, I felt that I, I need to point this out. Um, there's a lot of there are a lot of people because I'm going to get into some state politics this hour. A lot of people on the North Carolina politics hashtag. So on on the Twitter machine uh, now called X uh, there, you know, you use the hashtag, the number sign, the pound sign. You use that hashtag and you type in NCPOL. And that'll pull up all the, the the topics that are moving right now on North Carolina politics. There's also hashtag NCGA. That's General Assembly. So you go to Twitter and you pull up those hashtags and you're able to see all of the stories moving in real time and people commenting on them and 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 a lot of me. I, I'm there a lot. Yeah. And so anyway, NC politics today, there are a lot of people that have been retweeting Judd Nutt. And I, this guy, yeah, he's like he has found some story in the in the budget of North Carolina. He is the founder and longtime editor in uh, editor in chief of the now defunct left of center media outlet Think Progress. Right, that that Moonbat Farm, yeah, Judd Nutt, aka Judd Legum, that's his real name. Judd Legum. I call him Judd Nut because nuts are legumes. So just makes sense. And it does actually capture the kind of uh, misinformation and disinformation in which he traffics. So there are a lot of people talking today and retweeting and quoting Judd Nut. Just ignore that because he's a nut or a legume if you prefer. North Carolina's newly enacted budget Hasn't even become law yet, but it's already facing a potential legal challenge from Democratic Governor Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray. Cooper said that he is likely to take Republican lawmakers to court over one of the uh, one of the budget provisions, the one that strips him of his appointments to the state and local boards that oversee our community colleges. There are 57 of these boards. Quote. We are obviously planning a lawsuit in that. I think clearly what they've done not only is unconstitutional, but I think it will hurt the economy of North Carolina and the operation of its government. Now, I feel bad kind of for my good friend Ray because, first off, his good friends don't know his name and they keep calling him Ray instead of Roy when they come to visit him in town like Hillary and Kamala did. But not only that, now that Medicaid is getting expanded, all of the problems in the state are going to be solved. And for Ray, that's a bad thing because Ray has been saying for years, like 10 years, he's been saying all of the problems that anybody ever, you know, confronts him with or asks him about. He always says that the way to solve the problem is to expand Medicaid. Well, now that Republicans acting in true limited government conservative fashion as they are right now that they are expanding Medicaid themselves to, to you know, tap into the billions and billions of Sweet, sweet federal dollars. Um, now, gosh, he's got he's got nothing. Everything's going to be fixed, and that's not good for him. 
That's not good for him. Like politically, he's always, I mean, he's made his career hammering away at the evil Republicans. And this topic, I don't think this topic is going to really animate a lot of people. You know, this is not something like the Republicans are killing you kind of a thing. This is community college board governance, right? This is who gets to make the appointments to the community college boards. (laughs) And I don't think that it, I don't think that he, I mean, even if he declares a stunt of emergency, like he did with education, I don't think it's going to, it's not going to motivate people, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I didn't think he was a good politician and could win. And, and, and he did. So what do I know? Last week, when Cooper announced he would allow the budget to become law without his signature, he said it, quote, blatantly violates the uh, Constitution, which is obviously why he allowed it to become law. No, he he wanted it to become law so he could expand Medicaid, and then he can claim credit for that. Again, the downside is, I mean, lots of upside for him, right? He gets to claim victory. He gets to say he was looking out for everybody, and he forced the Republicans to do this thing. But the downside is that now it, this was his his you know catch all fix for every single problem in the state, and so now I don't know what he's going to rely on. Under current law, the governor appoints ten members of the state board of community colleges. Six of them are required to represent diverse geographic regions, so they got to be from different parts of the state. Six out of the ten, the legislature appoints eight members. Okay, so you have eighteen members, I guess. 10 from the governor, 8 from the lawmakers. The budget gives all of those 10 appointments to the state lawmakers for a total of 9 each in the House and Senate. No requirement for geographically diverse representation. Local boards or trustees for community colleges are currently made up of 4 members appointed by the governor. Okay, and 4 members appointed by the local board of education and 4 by the county commissioners plus the president of the student body who's a non-voting member. Wait a minute. Wait one second. Hang on a second. All right, first off, I was told there would be no math. Secondly, four members appointed by the government, four uh, governor, four appointed by the Board of Ed, the local Board of Ed, and then four, hang on, I'm running out of fingers. Bernie, let me your four fingers. Give me your four. Okay, so you got four. All right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's an, that's an even number, people. 12 is an even number. What happens if there's a tie? Because the student body president is only there just as window dressing. So, like, like oh, oh I'm, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. They'll be there to tell you what the students think. And then they'll be like, okay, thanks a lot. Now we'll take a vote. But the student body president doesn't get a vote. So that's 12 members. That, that, that means we could have a 6-6 tie. How come there's no concern about an even split on the on the board of trustees for community colleges, because that's what the argument is from Ray on the board of elections. Because the, the legislature in passing its budget this year, it overhauled the way that the board of elections is comprised as well. Now, my good friend Ray, he vetoed that one. He vetoed that bill. Sorry. It was part of the budget negotiations, but it was a separate bill. So, they're trying to get this done. They, the, the lawmakers have been trying to get this Board of Elections reform done for years. And he just vetoed it. And I thought they were going to stuff it into the budget. But I just, yeah, I've got this. Here it is. The uh, Senate Bill 749. No partisan advantage in elections. And so what they wanted to do was to take the state board and turn it into an even number board, 
even number of Republicans and Democrats. And the, uh, the county level boards, which right now there are because like the state board has five members and it's three two. whoever the governor is, they appoint them. They appoint all of them. So they appoint the majority from their party. So Roy Cooper appoints three Democrats, two Republicans, and then the the county boards of elections are a same thing, but there's only three members there. So it's two to one Democrat Republican. And so the state tried to change the law to make it an even split. And when they did that, Ray and his Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, they were all like, what happens if there's a tie? But I guess now nobody cares if there's a tie at the board of trustees for community colleges. Where is all of the concern? Because Roy is going to sue. Roy Cooper is going to sue over this. He's saying that we have to maintain an even split of a 6-6 split. But we can't have an even split at the board of elections. And then Cooper said, why would you want to disrupt a system that's working well for your own power grab? Now, to be clear, it's a total power grab. (laughs) Let's not kid ourselves. It's a total power grab. Absolutely. The legislature wants more power for the legislature. And I'm sure if Democrats take it back and they gain control, they are going to be perfectly happy having control over these appointments if there's ever a Republican governor. That's the thing about power grabs. That's how they work. And spare me the crocodile tears, Democrats. You guys have been doing this kind of stuff for uh, 150 years. 150 years you've been doing it. So I don't have the softest shoulder for you to cry on. Sorry. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, All righty. So North Carolina, as part of its budget, um, approved raises for teachers. And I I went over some of these numbers uh, a couple of days ago at the height of the the budget debate and as the the votes were getting uh, wrangled up and such. So the teacher monthly salary schedule now will go to whereas like the first year or a teacher with zero years of experience. So your very first year teacher, rookie teacher this year, that teacher makes $3,900 a month. Next year, that teacher will make $4,100 a month. That's their starting pay $4,100. That's the floor. So a new teacher, zero years of experience, 3,900. Now they'll start 4100 So what is that? Again, I was told there'd be no math, but I think that's $200. $200 increase. But remember that the teachers, each year they get you know more money every single year. That's already built in as like their steps for the first 15 years. 
And that does not include the local county supplemental. So Mecklenburg County, for example, provides teachers with an additional paycheck. They add to this baseline. The median household income in North Carolina is $65,000 for a 12-month work year. 65000 that's the median household income. Now, um, there are people that will tell you, well, you cannot use average teacher pay, which, by the way, in North Carolina is somewhere around $58,000 per teacher, um, and that does include the, the local county supplemental. Uh, they'll say you can't compare that because that's, a, that's an average and you're comparing it to a median, but you can. You, you can. You can say that the median household income is 65K and the average teacher pay is 58. So a teacher would be below a median household income, but not by much. A single teacher, nobody else in their house, right? They're going to be pretty close to what an entire household generally pulls in. Now, you'll remember... Roy Cooper made the announcement a couple of weeks back. He declared a stunt of emergency, or he called it a state of emergency, but it's a stunt of emergency because you need to know what's happening, he said. Remember this? Back in May. If you care about public schools in North Carolina, it's time to take immediate action to stop the damage that will set back our schools for a generation. Jason Bedrick and Lindsey Burke at the Heritage Foundation, I believe. Yeah, Heritage Foundation. They ask, well, what prompted this extraordinary declaration? Was it because four in ten North Carolina fourth graders and one out of three eighth graders are below basic reading? The worst scores in 15 years? No. Or, oh, maybe it was because a quarter of fourth graders and 40% of eighth graders scored below basic in math. That's the worst performance since 2000. Was that why he declared the stunt of emergency? No. He declared the stunt of emergency because of school vouchers. Because parents would have choice. We'll get into more of this. Also, an interesting survey. North Carolina ranks pretty high on this survey of where teachers would like to move to. Interesting. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. I have an email here. I'll get to it in a second. But we're talking about uh, education. North Carolina, uh, as part of their budget, uh, it expanded the 
Opportunity Scholarship Program, which are school vouchers, and it expanded it now so every parent in the state can utilize these Opportunity Scholarships. And it's a progressive uh, format. So uh, the more money you have as a family, uh, if you are rich, then you don't get as much. I think the most you can get is uh, somewhere, uh, I think it's like 40% of the total. But But if you're middle class, uh, you know, your uh, your lower class income scale, you, then you get much larger or all of the uh, all of the voucher money. And it's the cost of educating a kid in a public school. And you could take that voucher anywhere. So if you like your public school, you keep your public school. And unlike Obamacare, that's a legitimate promise. So the governor of North Carolina, a couple months back, he declares a stunt of emergency in order to try to to block this, to 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 rally people, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't at the low test scores, it wasn't the way we're failing all of these kids, it wasn't the North Carolina schools. Some of them are running racially segregated programming. They're stocking porn books in school libraries. They're adopting radical policies that keep parents in the dark about whether or not their school staffers are calling their kids by names that aren't their own or pronouns that differ from their sex. None of that. No, no, no. It was over the. It was over the Choose Your School, Choose Your Future Act to expand eligibility for the state's opportunity scholarships to all K-12 students. You can use the $6,500, up to $6,500, that's the top end, for private school tuition, required books, fees, transportation, equipment, for anything. Now, here's the thing. For all the people who believe that vouchers don't work, You may be right, and we'll find out. That's the beauty of the experiment. We get to try, right? The freedom to fail. The schools that don't make it work will fail. Others can then look at those models and say, oh, don't do that. Much like Jamal Bowman, the New York congressman, who runs the the school up in New York that has failed terribly, and I think it might have something to do with that the guy doesn't have any idea the difference between a fire alarm and a door handle, right? So, I mean, that might be it. That's his explanation. That's not mine. By the way, I do have another comment on that. Uh, Let me see here. This was, uh, we need Congress to ban all buttons, pulling devices, and every other version, since these hardware devices are the reason for congressional confusion and unnecessary delays in official procedures and votes. We know that these devices are AI, not dumbassery. Okay, I don't. Dad, I don't know what that meant. Um, Chad says, maybe it was a fire alarm that identifies as a door push bar. Or maybe it'd be the other way around. So it'd be a, it'd be a, a, a trans alarm, a trans alarm. I don't know. That's possible. Timoteo says it's not illegal when Democrats do it. It's just different. (laughs) Right. See, it's different when Democrats do it. They can pull all the fire alarms they want and and obstruct congressional proceedings, and it doesn't really matter. That's what they say. Um, North Carolina is on track now as the ninth state to make all K-12 students eligible for school choice and the seventh state to do so this year. About one in four K-12 students across America will soon be eligible for school choice. One in four. The growth of school choice nationwide especially over the past two years, is an incredible story. 
Look, I, I say this all the time about many different things. Slowly at first, and then very quickly. I remember before we had any opportunity scholarships. I remember when Florida passed theirs 20 years ago. And people kept pushing and pushing in North Carolina. This fight has been going on for over 20 years in this state. And slowly at first, and then very quickly. And that's what we just saw. What has unfolded here is also transformational, though, in a different way, according to Jason Bedrick and Lindsey Burke from the Heritage Foundation. It reveals a monumental shift in the politics of education. See, at a moment when education policy is a top issue for voters and the Democrats are losing their traditional advantage on this issue, it's notable that an elected Democrat, Trisha Cotham, would switch parties to advance school choice. It could be a harbinger of things to come. In recent weeks, another Democrat state legislator switched parties over the very same issue. Right, the Georgia State Representative Misha Maynor. Um, she said, "For far too long, the Democrat Party has gotten away with using and abusing the black community. For decades, the Democrat Party has received the support of more than ninety percent of the black community. And what do we have to show for it? I represent a solidly blue district in the city of Atlanta. This isn't a political decision for me; it's a moral one." The Democratic Party's base is much more supportive of school choice than its elected officials are because they're enthralled to the teachers union and district school establishment. A recent national poll shows 66 percent of Democrats, 71 percent of Hispanics, 73 percent of African-Americans all support school choice. As more states adopt expansive school choice policies and families become accustomed to the ability to choose the learning environments that align with their values and work best for their kids, public support for the issue is probably going to grow. At that point, the Democrat Party is going to have to choose whether to side with a key part of its political coalition or the majority of voters. The story of the school choice movement is still being written, but what has just transpired in North Carolina is likely to be remembered as a key turning point. Next up, study.com. It's a website that does studies. Like many other industries in America, it says education's facing a shortage. Right, so keep that in mind too, right? You hear a lot about the teacher shortages and you hear like these headlines, teacher shortage, teacher shortage. But there's... Short, there are shortages across like all sectors, right? They're having a hard time. We restaurant industry is facing this. Like every single industry, it seems like has this same problem. Teacher burnout is a large contributing factor. It says leaving schools in some areas of the country in need of educators. Licensing is a major barrier that makes it difficult for qualified educators to move freely between states and relocate to the neediest areas. A lack of mobility also makes it hard for teachers to leverage opportunities and, and improve their work life, uh, leaving them feeling stuck, unhappy, and burned out. Right. As a radio host, if I get a job offer in another state, I can just go and take the job I don't need to get credentialed by government. To work there but teachers do and i would argue that's not necessary 
The solution might be a thing called the ITMC, the Interstate Teacher Mobility Compact. This legislation is passed at the national level, but it still needs at least 10 states to agree to participate. Once it passes at the state level, licensed teachers can move more easily between participating states, hopefully easing teacher shortages in affected areas. ITMC could also lessen burnout, as greater mobility would allow teachers to find or negotiate better working conditions, professional growth opportunities, as well as more competitive pay. I agree with all of that. Study.com surveyed more than 800 teachers to find out how they feel about teacher burnout, solving shortages, and this new legislation. And get this, North Carolina ranks seventh in the top states teachers want to move to. There goes a big narrative of the left. Well, at least in North Carolina. Email here from Ben to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Honestly, Pete, what teachers are paid is still not enough for the bad-ass kids the parents send to school that are so disrespectful and don't think that they have to listen to no one. They deserve more than the politicians. Right. So I have always said, when it comes to teacher compensation, that uh, I want the great teachers to be paid a lot of money. Great teachers deserve a lot of money, like six figures, a lot of money. But I refuse to pay the bad ones the same amount of money. So... Until the people whose job it is to assess people's performance can figure out a way to assess their own performance and create a a, a merit-based pay system, then we're going to keep having these fights. I don't like it, but I'm not going to pay bad teachers a lot of money, too, because they're bad. And I've had them. I've had bad teachers. You have, too. Everybody has had bad teachers. Everyone. Now, that being said... Uh, the teachers in North Carolina do make more than the politicians at the state level, not at the not the council of state, like not the state. Like if you're the governor, uh, the lieutenant governor, you're not going to you're not going to make more than them because they're like in the 200 K range. Um, and the reason why it should be pretty obvious is that there's only one governor. There are a lot of teachers. Right. That's a, that's sort of a market supply and demand kind of thing. Right. Not a lot of people can be governor. In fact, only one of them in the entire state of 11 million people can be one. So it's a very limited selection process. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, if they, look, if we had a whole bunch of governors and anybody could be a governor and you just go to school for four years and then you could get a governor's license and go be governor or whatever, then, yeah, I'm sure that the, the pay scale would drop quite a bit. Those are market forces. All right. Teachers who have been teaching for two years or less are 78% more likely than those who have taught for six years or more to plan on leaving the profession due to burnout. So what does that mean? New teachers, the ones that are the rookie teachers, they are way more, 78% more likely to quit because of burnout. If you can make it past like six years, then you're, you're not likely to, to burn. You're not likely to burn out and leave. That's according to what the the survey shows, this nationwide survey. But get this, 89% of teachers admit to experiencing burnout, 89%. Why? Number one reason cited, heavy workloads, 63%. Number two, student behavior. That's what Ben talked about. 
That's at 57%. Number three, long working hours. Number four, lack of administrative support. And number five, low salary. And coming in last, lack of classroom supplies. Only 20% say they feel burned. That's why do they feel burned out? Heavy workloads, student behavior, lack of administrative support, long working hours. The low salary was five out of six, came in almost last. How would you prevent workout, uh, burnout, workouts, burnout? Number one, reduce your workload. Number two, increase administrative support. Number three, increase pay. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You're all citing all these other reasons for your burnout. Why would increasing pay stop the burnout? Why? That doesn't actually do anything to, to stop burnout. Increasing your pay does not stop burnout. Burnout comes from doing too much, right? Having too much to do, bad circumstances, like your workplace environment, all of that. And when, then when they ask, how would you address the teacher, sh- uh, teacher shortage in your state? Number one answer from teachers, pay us more. <laughs> okay. Number two, improve working conditions. <laughs> right. Okay. Do you not see this disconnect here, guys? Coming in dead last, lower the number of students per classroom. <laughs> That's the, which, like, to me, that would be the most obvious thing to do if you're trying to reduce the burnout, right? 18% of teachers said if this legislation that allows them to move state to state without having to get recertified, um, if they passed, they would definitely move to a different state, 18%. And they would use factors like salary, cost of living, job security, family considerations, state policies on education. And the top 10 states they want to move to, California, I don't know why, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Florida, New York, North Carolina, Hawaii, Arizona, and Vermont. I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect there. Don't you? Hang on a second. Let me get this last email here. Let me click the uh, email button. The... Sorry, I hit the email. I thought it was the email button. It looked exactly. All right. It, all right. Sorry. It looked exactly like the email button. I'm sorry. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Brett Winterbill's up next. Don't break anything while I'm gone. But don't hit that. Don't touch that.